Amen, church. And how are you all this morning? Did everybody bring a snack with them this morning? Because if you remember, because I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to finish Joshua today, and if you remember, we left at Joshua chapter 13. Does anybody know how many chapters Joshua has? It's got 24 chapters. So today we've got to do 13 to 24. So I hope you brought a good snack, a good lunch. Um, youth, they'll be okay. We'll be okay. Um, um, actually, we're going to jump to the end, and we're going to, because those are... Those are the important words. If you think about often in our lives and often in Scripture, we look at the final words. What, what are the final words that someone has to say? And so we're going to focus there today um, to finish our, our, um, our, really our sermon series on Joshua. While Barry, and he's, he, is Barry doing a great job? Yeah. Amen. You know, he's two for two, isn't he? Um, boy, I hope he comes back. <laughs> You're probably going to hope so at the end of today, too, no. Because um, we're going to open God's Word, and God's Word is what important, what we're going to focus on today. Um, Joshua 23 and 24, we're going to see some iconic words as we go through this. Um, but I just want to stop and ask God, um, God, as we open your Word, as we come to the book of Joshua and, and wrapping up the sermon series that we started months ago, Lord, You'd help us see what the message you have for us here at the end of Joshua's life. Um, you'd, <coughs> you'd help us know what uh, you want us to take away from, from the book of Joshua, from the message uh, of Joshua. Those important final words, you'd help us hear and hear from you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, when we started Joshua, you know, Moses had just passed, and he had... He had presented the word of the Lord to the congregation, and then Joshua was commanded to go forth and, and cross over. But he was given the instructions. Um, you know, God gave Joshua a series of commands. He said, commands. He said go over the, this Jordan into the land that I am giving to them, them being the Israelites. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause the people to inherit the land. Be strong and courageous being careful to do according to all that the laws of Moses, my servant, has commanded you. Do not turn from, turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success where you go. Be strong and courageous. So the command to Joshua was be strong and courageous. And so we're going to see how he lived. We've already seen that worked out in the first 13 chapters. Um, in chapters 13, the second half through 22, really go on to the division of the land that God had conquered it and, and the casting of lots to, okay, this, this tribe of Joshua, they're going to get this part of this land. And, and this tribe of Joshua, this, this tribe of Israel, sorry, this tribe, they're going to get that land. And a lot of that, you know, and it goes from this city to that city to this city to that this city and, and, and around like that. So if, you know, kind of like uh, Barry did, if you want the cliffhanger, if you want the notes, please go read the rest of Joshua. But we're going to get to Joshua 23 and 24. Um, and see how this, this plays out at the end, what his final words are. Um, I'm just figuring out where I jump, jump to. Okay. Um, but what the interesting thing in final words, often final words are, look at me, look at what I've done. Look at what I've done for the community or things like that. And what we're going to see in Joshua is when we're not going to, Joshua doesn't take that tone. Because Joshua knows who he was serving and what he was serving, what he was called to serve. Um, 
But if you think of some of the, the you know, the great people, um, you know, they, they really had a choice at the end of their life, um, whether they knew it or not. Um, for example, Martin Luther King, one of his speech, last speeches was, he, was the I Have a Dream speech, where he talked about, I say to you today, my friends, so that even though we face difficulties today and tomorrow, I have a dream, and this dream is deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. In his speech at Gettysburg, it is for us, the living rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work, which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us. Um, poignant words as we come to Joshua. Um, Moses, before he departed, being told by the, the Lord that he was nearing the end, um, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, he said, For this commandment I command you today, it is not hard for you, neither is it, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the seas that you should say, Who will go over and see for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart, so that you can do it. So as we come to the last two chapters of Joshua and his parting message, he starts with first a, a message to the leadership of Israel. He had gathered them together, and the land had been divided east and west of the Jordan. And in fact, the, the, if you remember from when we started Joshua, there were, there were the, the two and a half tribes that had settled on land um, east of the Jordan. And those tribes, the valiant men of those tribes had come and they had fought alongside and often led in the battles. And at this point, they had been allowed to return back to their home people, back to, to settle their land as well, as promised by Moses. Um, and now Joshua, he's coming to finish the end of his time. He and Caleb both had been given inheritance within the lands. Uh, they were the two spies that when the Israelites sought out the land with Moses, they had sent 12 spies, one from each of the tribes. Um, they had gone out and said, oh, there are giants and we can't do it. But Joshua and, and Caleb, they came back and said, no, with God we can but because the ten had turned the rest of the people against Moses and against the leadership, they ended up walking in the desert for 40 years, in the desert of sin. And that whole generation died off except for Joshua and Caleb. And so during the last few chapters, they had also been given, both Joshua and Caleb and their, their families had been given inheritance in the land as promised by Moses. But now, when we get to chapter 23 and 24, um, Joshua is about 110 years old, according to the estimates. Um, and so he is going to instruct first the leadership and then the whole people. And so we're going to start in Joshua 23, uh, starting on verse 2. I am now old and well advanced in years. And as you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. For it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. 
Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes those nations that remain, along with all the nations I have already cut off, from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. The Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight. And you shall possess the land, or possess their land, just as the Lord God promised you. Therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is right hand nor to the left, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you, or make mention of the names of their gods, or swear by them, or serve them, or bow down to them. But you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done this day. For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts to flight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you, just as he promised you. Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. See, we start with Joseph commanding not Joshua, sorry. It's those of you who are here for the start of the series, I couldn't remember. I get J's stuck, and I got, I'm like an old-school computer, only 26 memory locations, so everything jumbles once we get past the first letter. So when Joshua started, um, notice he's where he's putting the focus. He's not putting the focus on himself. He could have said, look at how I led you across the Jordan. Look at how I led you in the Battle of Jericho. And then you wanted to go up and attack AI, but we did that wrong, so then we had to let God take over. And, you know, he could have done all the I statements, but he doesn't, because he recognizes who was really in charge of those battles, who was really leading the way as they fought to take back the promised land. See, because the land had been promised, but there were all these, you know, as this text calls out, all these powerful nations but did you notice how often the phrase repeated, the Lord your God? Started in verse 3. All that the Lord your God has done to all these nations. The Lord your God has fought for you. The Lord your God will push them back. The Lord your God has promised you. Cling to the Lord your God. For the Lord has driven out. It is the Lord your God who fights for you. And then finishes with, love the Lord your God. That phrase, the Lord your God, is actually two words. Jehovah, a proper noun with reference to deity as defined in a dictionary. Well, that seems pretty weak with reference. No, it's referring to the existent one, the self-existent or eternal one. The proper name of the one true God, Jehovah. Elohim. Elohim is one of the first words um, in Genesis. It's the overall general revelation of God. So it's, the, it's Yehovah Elohim, the Lord your God. It is just a small word. One of the things we had an opportunity to go to conference last week, and they talked about one of the things that we have lost in our modern times is a sense of awe. 
that we don't take the time to sit back and be in awe of anything. But think of that term, that the God who created the universe, the God who spoke it into existence, Yahweh Elohim, the Lord your God, personal yet almighty, wanting relationship but giving you a choice, calls us to cling to him, calls us to look to see how he moved and how he moved through all the chapters of Joshua and then in Moses' time and then all the rest of the Bible, how it all fits together. He doesn't just want robots. I was at a competition yesterday with Ethan. And we were there eight to five. And they were cool. They were fighting little frisbee disc things. But you know what? They could only do what their programmers and controllers had created them to do. They were locked. They couldn't, the robot couldn't choose to go, oh, you know, I don't feel like, man, you want me to fire a frisbee today? No, I want to, I want to go off and do something else. I want to go play a keyboard like Bill. They don't have that option. They weren't programmed to do that. They didn't have a choice. See, God gives you and I choices. He did at the Garden of Eden. He did here in the book of Joshua and all the way through scriptures. And he did when you got up this morning. He gave you a choice. Are you going to come and worship me? And why? Why are you here today? I want you to think about that for a second. Because that sometimes is the crux. See, here was Joshua talking to the leadership. And he's talking to the leadership about loving the Lord your God. But in the next passage that we're going to jump into, we're going to see that God then has a direct message for the people. And it's about the wise. See, then it continues on in Joshua 24, verses 2 through 15. And then this is a final speech, not just to the leadership, but to all of Israel, to the people who have come to be part of Israel. Meeting was held at Shechem, which is an old, which is a ancient city in, in the land, and a city that actually wasn't conquered during the conquering times. It may be because it was already uh, before the Lord their God. And before it was just Joshua who had called to leadership, but now they're called to present themselves before God for renewal of the covenant. And now here Joshua is speaking not as a leader, as a military person, but as a prophet. A prophet means as a mouthpiece speaking directly what God has told him to speak to the people. And so he starts out this passage. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates. Terah, the father of Abraham and Naor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Cana and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac. And to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. And I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children... They went down to Egypt, and I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt 
with what I did in the midst of it, and afterwards I brought you out. Then I brought out your, then I brought out your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And when they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come up them and cover them. And you saw it, and you saw what I did to Egypt, and you lived in the wilderness a long time. Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites, who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you, and I gave them into your hands, and, I, and you took possession of the land. I destroyed them before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and fought against Israel. And he sent and invited Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Instead, he blessed you. So I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the leaders of Jericho fought against you. And also the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Gergesites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And I gave them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you and two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or by your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored, the cities you had not built, and you dwelt in them. You eat the fruit of the vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. See how God's providing for his people? He gave them a brief history of how they got to where they were that day. How he had sent Abraham and Moses. How he had sent them to Egypt in the first place. Why? To avoid a famine. That they would prosper. And then to bring them out of the land that they were prospering and they were, they were oppressed. He made that happen. He opened the Red Sea and then he closed it again. He fed them in the wilderness. Remember, he fed them manna. What is it? He fed them quail and manna. And he pro provided them for, for 40 years. Every day there was manna. There was water. And God took care of them. And then when they came, times of battle, God was there and fought for them. As he said, I, am the, I fought the battles for you. And then even when he brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, they moved, he went before them and he allowed them to win the battles and totally destroy the people and then possess their cities and their orchards and vineyards. He had provided all this for them. And then in, um, continuing on in 24, 14. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day who you will serve, whether it is the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, first we get Joshua and his view 
of that God is responsible for making it all happen. And then God comes along and says, yes, I am. The I am has fought and won the battles for you. And I wonder today, in your prayer time, if he will stand before you and ask you, what about the battles he's fought for you and your families? What would you hear? Would you be thinking about those times where you didn't know where that next meal was going to come from? Where you be thinking about those times where you weren't sure where the job was going to happen? Or maybe you had one of those nights that we've all probably had as adults where you made some poor choices. And you're praying in a way that is only prayed in the bathroom. I know I've been there. But each of us have those times in life where God has taken us and fought battles for us that we didn't realize. See, long ago, my father's fathers, they lived across the Atlantic and they raised potatoes. And then there was a blight. And many of the people in that land called Ireland passed away. Reading the histories last night, and they said a million people in the small island of Ireland, Ireland died of the potato famine. And another million came over to the United States. Part of the tragedy there is they had been taught They had been taught, about, taught to worship a God not in their own language, but in a religious language. We would call it Latin today. And they had been taught to worship statues and idols that they didn't really understand, or they were given enough to say, oh, worship this idol, worship this statue, and good things will happen to you. They were given religion. They weren't given relationship. up with. I grew up with religion and not relationship. And so when I got to college and I cast off that religion, I no longer had that relationship. And as many of you might know, college is a very stressful time in a person's life and I no longer had a foundation because I had cast that foundation away. So I didn't have that foundation of a relationship and I had cast it. And so I started doing what most people do. You make choices that go with the flow. You make the easy choices. And then I started going to group trying to get help because I was recognizing that things were coming apart. And that particular group offered, offered their solution was give it to a higher power. Give all your problems to a higher power. Well, I had cast off that foundation. I didn't have one. Oh, you can use the group as a higher power. Well, if there's anything you've ever been in in a recovery group, you quickly realize one thing. They're all just as messed up as you are. Let's be honest. They had offered the group as a higher power because I didn't recognize a higher power and they were trying to be, you know, kind of even keel. And I was like, this is not a higher power group. This isn't going to work. I can't give my... I mean, it's, it's, it's the, you know, the 
the self-speak of today, if you will. And so I started looking around, trying to find, quote-unquote, a higher power, because I recognized there was a need for something bigger than myself. And that's what's going on here, is there is a bigger thing than Israelites that was fighting their battles. So today, why are you here? Were you drugged here? Did somebody bring you today because it's the right thing to do on Sunday mornings? Or are you here because of a relationship? Did you come here today because, well, that's what I do on Sunday mornings? We just get up at the family, get dressed, you know, Saturday mornings sleeping in, Sunday mornings for church. So you're here. I tell you, there's something much bigger going on here than just being here and sitting and hearing someone speak. There's a relationship offered here. There was a relationship offered to the people of Israel, and they were told, choose this day who you will serve. Because you will serve a God in this world. The question is, what that, will that God be? Will that be the God of self? Will that be the God of entertainment? Will be that, that God of just deadening your mind through various drugs and media and other things like that? Or will it be the God of creation who offers you a new chance and a new start and a new life? A God who wants to fight those battles for you but can only fight those battles for you if you're willing to let him, if you're willing to acknowledge how in many cases he already has. I don't know about how many of you, but I'm sure many of you drove here today. Let's be honest, the roads aren't necessarily always the safest to drive on. Sunday morning's not bad. But there are many battles we don't even realize are raging around us on a daily basis because... God's influences cause, cause that herd not to cross the road. 20, and you're able to tracks all over your car. There are many battles we don't know about. There are many battles we do. Battles of the mind, battles of the body. How many of you know what it is to fight medical battles? I bet most of us do, at one form or another. I said, there's a God who's fighting that battle with you, who wants to be in that battle with you, who wants to not just be kind of an afterthought, not as a footnote. Oh, and God, yes, please. But wants to be forefront in those battles. Each of us has many reasons why we're here today. The question for you today is, do you have a relationship within that reason? Or is it a religious, I'll just be there on Sunday mornings? That's the difference. Joshua told the leadership of Israel, love the Lord your God. Love Yahweh Elohim, because that's the core. If you look at this church history, many of us, we weren't here, I don't think anyone was, when this church was originally built. 
If I were asked people to stand up, we'd probably find probably the median is, is five years or less for most people within this room. Some a few more, many less. We've seen through the church through its most recent time of trials. But why does this church even exist? It exists so that we can worship Yahweh Elohim, not just to have a warm place to come on Sunday mornings. It it exists so that we might serve Him beyond these walls. Amy talked about praying for the persecuted church, and she's going to come up and pray for our missionary today. The question is, what are we doing to further His kingdom? And it starts, first of all, with where are we with Him? Are you, first of all, here out of obligation, out of getting drugged here, or because you truly want to be here and worship Him? And then from that, from that outflow of that relationship, then may our good works flow that we might serve Him, see Him grow, see Him build. God has led us to bring a new pastor and his family here. He's unfortunately, he had a, well, fortunately, he opportunity to be in California to see a young couple get married. So I'm filling in for him today, but he'll be back next week. But when he's back, the question is, why are you here? Is it here to see God glorified, God lifted high, to sing the praise songs that we sing to him? Or is it because of what you're drugged? Or here out of an obligation to worship an idol? Well, we're not here for idol worship. We're here to worship the one true God. And I would encourage you, if you don't yet know him, Uh, Today can be a start of a new relationship. Don't be here out of religion. Yes, we'll make this more than a time of warm and fuzzy, but a time of communing with Yahweh Elohim, the Lord your God. He wants a relationship with each and every one of you. He doesn't want to be, you know, I think most, some of us are old enough to remember there was a Bette Midler song back in the day, called God is watching us from a distance, right? Well, that's where I was before I knew the Lord. God is watching us from a distance. But that's not what Jesus' promise. At the end of his life, he says, and I go to send a helpmate, the Holy Spirit. Literally in the Greek, it's it's called paraclete. Some of us know what a cleat is from boating. Paraclete means literally to come alongside to be with you, to help you fight those battles that we all fight. Not God at a distance, but paraclete, Holy Spirit living within us. That is the God I serve. And that is the God this church serves. And I pray that as we close, but I pray that is the God you serve. And if today you don't yet serve the God of the inside, but the God of religion, that you'd find someone here, leadership or otherwise, who would help you get to know him, get to know the love that we sing about, that he died on the cross for our sins, to bridge that gap between our sins and a whole way, holy 
Yahweh Elohim, the Lord your God, the one who can snap his fingers, not Thor, or what was whatever movie that was, not that kind of snap, but just speaking into existence to stop the world from turning so that his army can fight the battles, who can send the hornet ahead of you in battle. Sometimes even battles you don't even know you're yet fighting. So as we close, please, worship him in spirit and in truth. Be filled with his presence. Let his Holy Spirit, that holy paraclete, come and be part of your life if you don't yet know him. And if you do, then amen. And pray for those who don't yet know. We were talking this morning in equipping class about how prayers of a faithful saint caused some people to come back to church. I pray that today, if you don't yet know him, if you're drugged here today, that you would choose whom you would serve, you and your families. Choose the Lord your God. Let's close in prayer. Father God, we thank you for the life of Joshua. We thank you that as he was coming to the end of years, he challenged the people to renew their covenant with you, to, not re, to get to a relationship with Yahweh Elohim, the Lord your God. Not just a far off distant God, but a God of the inside, a God of relationship that they would know him personally and that we would know and serve you personally. And I pray for each and every person here today, Lord, if they don't yet know you, that they would. That the love of the God who fights our battles would be with us. That the God who goes before us and behind us and around us and I think as everyone recognizes, and within us. For many times the battle is in our own mind, in our own heart, and in our own head. That those battles sometimes rage even louder than the battles on the outside. The battles of doubt, the battles of uncertainty, of doing it my way. Lord, that we would come and do it your way that we would submit to you as Lord, our God, in whose name we pray. Amen.